Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. Hello ladies, I have Mickey Williams on the show today. She's the CEO of Mickey Williams Unlimited out of Chicago, Illinois. I don't even know where to get started. Mickey, welcome to the show. Hey, Janice. Thanks for having me. Mickey, before we get started, I always like our guests to tell a little bit about themselves. I've read that you have so much energy that you make coffee nervous. Can you tell us about yourself? Yeah. Gosh, where do I start? Which period of life do I start from? Let's see. Um, Let's go from the defining moment in life to understand where I am today and how I got there. I think that could be important. I... uh, Always aspired to be a wife and mother because I was uh, the product of a divorced family when I was four, but I had a fabulous mother who raised me with all the wonderful sights and sounds of New York City, but I was an only child too, so my goal in life was to be a wife, mother, big family the whole bit, married my college sweetheart, Uh, had one son, planned to have lots of kids, a house in the country and the whole bit when he was tragically killed in a car accident at 29, and I was a Mm. widow with a child and no job and a mortgage and very little life insurance. So I guess you might call that that defining moment. It's also that I think that's where I am today. I started uh, using my natural talents to support myself and my son. I had been a professional dancer, so I started teaching dance. I was a really good cook, so people, you know, suggested. So then I had a catering business, and my dance business became very well-known, and I had very famous students from Martha Stewart and Joanne Woodward and uh, Diana Ross and Erica Zhang. I had really amazing students there. And so each business kind of perpetuated nuts. And like today, I'm the product of nine different companies. And now I run a company that specializes in professional speaking and executive speech coaching and speaker schools and the Mickey Mouse Club. And I'm just a classic entrepreneur, but I think It was important for you to know how it really started. Mickey, you've overcome and done so much in your lifetime. Can you tell us more about the Mickey Mouse Club? Well, the Mickey Mouse Club has got three divisions to it. When I started, uh, after enjoying this lucrative career of professionally speaking for 28 years and hitting two milestones, two years ago I was inducted into the Speakers Hall of Fame. And uh, this year when I uh, spoke in Montana, I was officially able to say I've spoken in every U.S. state, every Canadian province, and every continent in the world except Antarctica where I can't wear my stilettos. So those were two milestones, and I started doing some executive speech coaching more than I'd done before. Oh, I also work for an organization called Vistage International, which is the world's largest executive organization. I've been a speaker for them for 20 years, but more importantly, I run two of their executive peer advisory boards here in Chicago. So that's another one of my businesses that's very alive and well. But as I started doing more and more executive speech coaching, not only to speakers and wannabe speakers, but to executives who have to give speeches, I realized that everybody has a different time and financial uh, availability to them. So I created the Mickey Mouse Club that really has three divisions, so it fits everybody's time and schedule. 
So speaker school is, is one aspect, but it's outside of the Mickey Mouse Club. And a lot of people who go to speaker school eventually choose one of the divisions of the Mickey Mouse Club. And they are Speaker Source, which is a five-session coaching package, one-on-one, customized to the person. And Accountability Academy is a year-long program, but it's uh, where you get me as a coach once a quarter, so you're accountable for a lot of action during that quarter, and I'm the the checkpoint at the end of the quarter. And Keynote Camp is a two-day intensive where I help you design your whole speech. Uh, which I just did with an ex-NFL player, and that was kind of cool. So I've, I've met some amazing people and helped. I like to think I've helped a lot of people, and so my career continues to kind of reinvent itself. Mickey, it sounds like you've worked with everyone from NFL players to dancers. Who's your target client? Well, it's an interesting question, Jazz, because I could say everyone who needs to speak. You know, the challenge with what I do is everybody can talk, and therefore they think they can speak. And they don't realize speaking is a craft. You know, it would be the same as me saying I could play tennis because, sure, I could pick up a tennis racket and hit the ball across the net. That's the talking. But for me to be the next tennis star or really be good at it, that's the speaking. And that's what people don't realize. So anyone who has to speak for any occasion needs some of my services. Now, if I were to target it, I'd say now mostly it's executives. I mean, I still do people who want to become speakers and who are speakers and want to get to the next level, but I would say my biggest target now is executives. Nikki, a lot of executives are hard chargers and and probably pretty difficult to work with. How is it working with top-level executives? You know, it's a great question because everybody is so different. I had a gal uh, who was in my speaker school recently who hired me afterwards, and she said, Um, I have great content and I know how to speak. Well, she said, I learned a lot in speaker school, but I don't have any charisma. I don't have any energy. And she says, and I recognize that. And she said, I certainly don't want to have yours because that's very much you and it's a different style. And I said, you know, kind of like when you hire an interior designer, you get someone just because they live in a modern home doesn't mean they can't help someone pick out colonial furniture. So I like to think when I work with people, I am totally customizing to their personality and to their expertise. And that's why it's so different than I can one day I'm working with the owner of a pizza parlor and the next day I'm working with an NFL player and the next day I'm working with a world-class consultant. All different personality styles and all come to the table with different expertise. So I think that's my gift is being able to bring out their authenticity based on those two factors. Mickey, I noticed that your mantra is be outrageous. It's the only place that isn't crowded. I just love that. Thank you. Yeah, interesting enough, right before I uh, called you for the call today, I got asked to be on a panel to talk about my brand in the speaking industry. It was a group called Power of Women of NSA, National Speakers Association. They called me to be on a panel to talk about my brand. Unfortunately, I'll be in Mexico. But one of the reasons they did that is because Uh, You know, I like to say, Janice, I was a brand before the term came out, or I like to call myself an accidental brand. 28 years ago, nobody was talking about branding. And this is a phrase I often use in speaker school and my coaching. I just paid attention. And what does that mean? I paid attention to how people remembered me. And whether it was they say, oh, she's got big hair. She's from New York. She's very flashy. She's very flamboyant. She's outrageous. She wears big earrings. She loves shoes. All of those things, as trite as they may seem, I paid a lot of attention to it, and I started to exploit that. And I think in exploiting my uniqueness, I created my brand, which is outrageous. If you say the word outrageous, people in the speaking industry and some places beyond, they'll think of Mickey Williams. 
So I've kind of uh, owned the word because I've paid attention and created a brand, which, again, I didn't have a skill set to do. I just used that phrase, I paid attention, and then exploited the things the way people remembered me. And isn't that what branding's about? It appears that you were a trailblazer when it comes to branding. I think that's terrific. Well, again, I can't take credit for it. I think it's just in in reflection. When people ask me, I, I say it wasn't that I studied or read books or hired an agency anything. I just paid attention. So it's something I kind of do when I work with people to see what's unique about them. And I think, as I said, if that's my gift, that's my gift. I'm I'm able to pick out people's uniqueness and then bring it to the forefront, which brings out the authenticity. And that's the number one thing you can't teach people in giving presentations. And that's why so many executives struggle because they get up there and they get up there in their title or their role and they lose their own humanity and they don't connect with an audience. So one of the greatest things is being able to bring that out in people. I, it reminds me of I was coaching a CEO from Philadelphia and we were doing the keynote camp, which was he just needed me to help him create his speech to do a state of the industry address to his company. And I asked him what his theme or purpose was. And he said, it's to emphasize leadership at all the different divisions of my company. So we kind of go out for dinner the night before. I like to keep it casual. It's really an interview. They don't know they're being interviewed, but I'm really gathering information. And he was really struggling with the technique I was teaching him, which doesn't allow people to memorize or write out their speech. And as I explained it, he was getting more adamant saying, no, you don't understand. I can't. I have to memorize. I have to write out. And I'd say, well, no, then you got the wrong coach. And finally, during the course of the end of the dinner, when I just was, I was getting as frustrated as he was, we were just starting to work together. I just kind of segued off topic and just asked him for some personal things, what was new in his life and everything. And he said he had just been at the Boston Marathon. I said, oh, that's great. You're a runner. He said, yeah, no, I, I mean, I was at the Boston Marathon during the bombing. And I said, really? I said, tell me about it, Steve. And he started, and I'd ask questions like, so what what stands out? Did anybody take charge? Or did, So I was asking leading questions. Well, it turned out that became his whole speech. And when I said that to him, he looked at me like, what do you mean that's my speech? I said, well, you told me this one took charge of this, and this one did that, and you remembered all these people, and isn't that leadership role? And his face kind of lit up, and he went, oh, yeah, yeah, I have so many stories from the Boston Marathon. And that became his entire speech. We used the Boston Marathon as the platform to talk about leadership, and we injected you know, some quotes and humor and stuff. But basically, it was a story he, could, he knew and could tell authentically without ever having to memorize or write it out. And that was what was so powerful about it. Wow, it is all about our stories. And if we can get up and tell our story and be ourselves, I think you can make a better impact on, on your speeches and and just what you're trying to portray to everybody else. That's, that's good advice. So my newest speech I've been doing for the last two years is called The Art and Heart of Storytelling. And it's, telling, it's teaching people how to use the power of story to get their message across. I'm doing my first TED Talk next week. And um, part of it is around storytelling and part of it is about, you know, TED is all about ideas worth sharing. So I'm going to be talking about the difference between getting rid of a bucket list and creating an experience list. That's my idea worth spreading. So I'm excited about uh, doing a TED Talk. On the same week, I'm having a dessert named after me at a restaurant. So so it's a fun week. Absolutely. What dessert? What dessert? Well, one of my businesses was a catering business and um, I had adapted a recipe from I don't know how old you are Janice don't tell me but I don't know if you remember <laughs> an actor named Vincent Price he was known a of lot in horror movies well Vincent Price was also a very gourmet cook 
and he had made a dessert, oh, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago for the famous restaurant Sardi's in New York, and it was called Bacona Dolce, which means sweet mouthful in Italian. So when I had my catering business, I adapted that recipe for my catering, and it became so popular, everybody knew me for this recipe. So I was I here in Chicago, and a friend of mine opened a restaurant. We were sitting and talking one day, and the chef came out. And I just happened to say to the chef, you know, where did you study? And he said, I studied at the Culinary Institute of America. I said, oh, that's so funny. I have an award from them. To which point the owner of the restaurant and the chef both looked at me like, what do you mean you have an award from them? I said, yeah, I made this dessert. I was a celebrity chef for the March of Dimes Gourmet Gala, and I made this dessert, and it won the award. So the owner of the restaurant, Rich Labriola, says to me, well, make it for us. If we like it, we'll put it on the menu. So I made it for them. They liked it. And next Thursday night, there's a dessert launch party, and my recipe is on the menu. I've never had a dessert named after me on a menu. (laughs) That's terrific. How fun. How fun. Maybe it'll catch on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, you could probably tell I just love doing new things and new experiences. One of my Vistage members had said to me she wanted me to marry her and her fiancé. I said, well, how can I do that? She said, well, I don't know. Figure it out. So I went online, I became a justice of the peace, and I married them. Everybody was laughing. I said, I love experiences, and I love a challenge. So someone, dessert naming, justice of the peace, you name it, I'm doing it. Wow. So you marry people, too. How do you fit all that in? You know, I I don't know. People ask me that all the time, and they ask me how I'm not tired. You know, I send out my calendar every month, and people see 12 cities, and they go, how do you do it? I, You know, I don't know. I do. I am blessed with an awful lot of energy. There's no question about that. But I also don't do things I don't like to do. And so I I make sure I take good care of myself, and um, I just manage to do it. What's that old expression? You want something done, ask a busy person. Wow, that's a, that's a that's a great question right there. You mentioned something also about your fabulous mother that you had. So if I were to ask you about one virtue or rule of life that she instilled in you, what would come to mind? Oh, my God, there's so many. That, you know, she was a single working mother, Janice, before, as I call that, a redundant term. Um, and so she was a role model for me. And actually, you know, living her life as a single divorced mom back in the 50s, was not uh, an easy thing, and yet she worked to support us. So I grew up with a mother who set, uh, was a real role model. You know, nowadays it's easy for kids growing up to all women are working, but that, back then they weren't. And so for me to see somebody who raised me on her own and who also was a working mother, I think has given me a lot of the values that I hold so dear today and why I've been a success in work because I think I've inherited her characteristics of tenacity and persistence and responsibility and accountability and all that stuff. I give who I am totally. That's great. I also read that she helped you to learn that standing out was important to be different. Yes. Yeah. I have a big thing she gave me in a world where everybody's trying to fit in. I was born to stand out. That's what she always used to say. (laughs) And so I was always different. From you know, when people meet me now and they see the rhinestones, the sequins, and the flamboyance, and all the the colors, and I have never ever tried to fit in, even in school when everybody's. Hence, I never smoked or drank. I mean, I just never did anything that crowded. She always gave me permission to just be different, um, and so it was a real blessing that I think I grew up that way, and I'm very. I've always been very confident who I am, and even, you know, I can almost say I faced prejudice in a way that 
people face it differently, not by ethnicity or skin color or anything, but lots of times people will make assumptions when they see me, especially I walk into a room for executives and I'm very brash and flamboyant in New York and I know what they're thinking, but I'm also very confident and I know in 10 minutes all of that prejudice goes away when they see or hear that I'm smart and I'm sophisticated and all those things that people make judgments on. So I think I, in some ways I face the same kind of discrimination as other people do on a different level. So I understand what that's like. Right. And I think just being you and getting up in front of everybody, they're going to respect what you're saying and, and how you deliver it by just being yourself, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my mom gave me a great sense of self. And so I, I've grown up as a very self-esteemed, confident young girl and woman. And that's things that a lot of women struggle with. Hence, I love speaking to women. Uh, from the standpoint of being able to show them that you can grow up with that confidence and you can make a success even though circumstances don't dictate your life. So part of my uh, passion in being a speaker of all the businesses I have is the ability to inspire others. Well, it sure sounds sounds like it. Now, I have another question for you and kind of on the reverse. So if I were to ask you one thing that you instilled or one virtue in your son Jason – what would that be? Oh, again, so many things come to mind. Kindness. He's a very kind person. He, you know, he runs a dog walking business in New York, and he loves animals. He's passionate about them. But I think that kindness in him, he's just a good soul. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other characteristics I could say that relate to business and stuff, but if I had to be most proud of anything or what characteristic, I think he's just... Uh, He's kind and grateful. Those are terrific, terrific virtues to instill in our children. When you were starting your career and you were married at the time, um, you had a relationship. How did, if, if it did at all, how did trying to balance, back to the balance of you know, being an entrepreneur and, and pursuing everything, how did that affect your relationship if, if it did at all? You mean when I was first married? Yes. No, because I wasn't working then. I, I had, you know, remember my goal was to be a wife and mother. So when Gabe and I got married, I gave up my teaching job and my dancing career. And then when I had Jason, I was a completely stay-at-home wife and mother. So there was no conflict whatsoever. And once he passed on and I had, was a single working mom, I made that based around my son's life and schedule, which is why I, I resorted to skills that I already had, dancing and cooking because then I could create my businesses around my son, who was always my first priority. Right, right, and they should be. Uh, in general, do you think, Mickey, that women, and back to women's issues, are given equal opportunities since you work with a lot of men in the consulting world and, and, and speaking, and do you think that we're, we're given more opportunities than we were you know, 20 years ago? Oh, absolutely. Do I think it's equal? Definitely not. But do I think there's more? Absolutely. And I think part of it has to be uh, you have to take some of your own responsibility in that uh, and have to be not aggressive but assertive and expect to have some of that equality. And I, you know, I feel sometimes a lot of women don't do that. And so I think there's some ownership in that as well. But it's something we continue to strive for. Absolutely. Um, do you have any offerings for our listeners, um, books, or um, what's coming up in your life that you'd offer out to our listeners? 
Um, well, you can go to my website, MickeyWilliams.com, and everything's on there. And next year I'm taking speaker school on the road. It used, it's always been in Chicago four times a year, and next year I'm in ten different cities. So that's also on my website. Go check out what cities I'm in. And all the things we talked about today, the, uh, yes, there's products, there's books and tapes, and there's the coaching. And, um, and then look for the TED Talk after next week. It's called Not a Bucket List, an Experience List. But if you put my name in, I'm sure you could do that. So, yeah, lots of things, lots of offerings. Same thing with Vistage. Uh, there's a whole page about Vistage on my website if anybody's interested in that, in the groups that I have in Chicago. But also I'm connected to Vistage all over the world. So if someone's interested in that and wants to get involved in a Vistage group in Austin, Texas, I can help with that as well. So lots of things and just go visit and say hi or shoot me an email right from that page. I love hearing from people. Well, that's great. Thank you for giving us information. Can you um, reiterate how they're to get in touch with you, what your website is? Yeah, the website is mickeywilliams.com, M-I-K-K-I Williams with an S dot com. And on the, the, the homepage, you'll see buttons for everything from speaker school to coaching to Vistage to all the different things that I do. And watch for the upcoming TED Talk after next Wednesday. All righty. Well, it's been terrific talking to you, Mickey, today. Um, you've done so much, and you're such an inspiration. I really enjoyed having you on the show today. Thank you so much. Janice, thanks so much for having me. I've been talking with Mickey Williams, and we're going to take a short break, so please stay tuned. Today I'd like to shout out to Othello Bach, who turned a challenging childhood into a story of triumph. She didn't read until the eighth grade, yet sold her first novel to Avon Books at the age of 27. Wow. The author of 16 adult and children books, stories, music, and lyrics have been recorded by such notables as Joel Gray, Tammy Grimes, and Sandy Duncan. She is a pastor of the Christian Church, and resides in Kokomo, Indiana, with her husband, Don. What a fabulous female. Her new book is Cry Into the Wind, and again, a shout-out to Othello Bach. My next shout-out is to Tracy Bill, the author of Get Your Girl Back. She's been blazing trails for the past two decades as a full-time mom with a multimillion-dollar business on the side as a keynote speaker, author, and entrepreneur. Tracy is living proof that you are what you think you are, priding herself on being a normal woman with an extraordinary life. Tracy has made it her mission to help women break through self-imposed limitations masked in the handcuffs of guilt, fear, and uncertainty to experience a life of abundance and happiness. Tracy Bild is one fabulous female, and again, her book is Get Your Girl Back. Every three minutes, another woman gets the news that she has breast cancer. And here are some of the first words she hears. Hertenew oncogene, aromatase inhibitor, ductal carcinoma in situ. What do these words mean? How are you going to decide what to do if you can't even say what you have? Listen to me, Shirley Jones. As soon as you get your diagnosis, go to breastcancer.org. It's a special place on the Internet where you can learn how to say all those breast cancer words and find out what they mean. At breastcancer.org, you can learn more about your particular kind of cancer and your treatment options. Prepare a list of questions for your next doctor's visit and get all kinds of other useful information to guide you and your family through this. Breastcancer.org, the first place to go the minute you find out you have breast cancer. You've been listening to the Tell Janice Radio Show. 
If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.telljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice. Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show. 